with fantastic joy to introduce everyone to another episode of the wolf's court i'm your host mr ds wolf and this is going to be another jojo's bizarre adventure stone ocean episode this is going to be episode number six called ermes stickers bit of a tongue twister there uh but before we jump into that First of all, I'm going to introduce my wonderful co-host of, of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Mr. Fast Toad. Fast Toad, FT, how's it going? It's all right. Hello, hello. Um, and, um, you know, we're doing a, a bit of a late recording, but, um, you know, that's, that's on me. So I apologize in advance. You have nothing to be sorry for, my friend. Sometimes life just gets in the way of creativity. It is yes, what it absolutely. is. So... Well, we're actually going to start the episode off talking about a recurring topic, which is the saga that is the Netflix live-action Cowboy Bebop show. Never-ending saga. It is bloody never-ending. And there is somewhat of a significant update, and I want to be as accurate as possible here. So first of all, we, uh, we've got the Save the Live-Action Cowboy Bebop petition, and just refreshing it now. I can say, as of this very second, it's 124,320 people, uh, oh, 321, with a target of 150,000 people to get it saved. Now, the target keeps on upping. It seems like there's a lot of people that want to get it saved. Obviously, you're not one of them. And oh. if, we look at the, <laughs> if we look at the cancellation petition, if I refresh this, we can see that drum roll, which I probably won't bother editing in. Uh, we've got 12,614 of a target of 15,000. So uh, a, a vocal minority will say. But yeah, I, I just wanted to flag that first of all. And secondly, as I've, as I've said before, I've watched all of the anime cowboy bebop but not for a few years haven't bothered going after uh, episode one of the live action cowboy bebop but you have now finished the live action i and have ft you you've got quite a few things you'd like to say about it so without right. further ado the floor is yours yeah i i think it's one hundred twenty four thousand people who have no idea what they're talking about like Ooh. um <laughs> but like I, i'm sorry like it's just it's, it's terrible it's terrible because the characters are all wrong but anyway i i figured you know what um, i'm not gonna take the piss let me watch the whole thing right um i don't know if you if you mind any spoilers ds I, you know what in this particular case i'm not bothered okay cool which so is funny because i'm literally the most anti-spoiler guy as ft will will know first yeah 
which yeah. is tells you yeah. how little. That's why I, can I asked, show. right? That's why I asked. But mate, oh, so you watched the whole the whole anime, right? You remember the character of Julia? Julia. Julia. So Julia was, was 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 that Spike Spiegel's love interest? Yes, it was yes. Spike Spiegel's love interest. See, so do you remember what Julia was about at all? Like what what she was um, made out to be in the series? Uh, somewhat of a tragic femme fatale, unless I'm mistaken Fantastic. by this. And... Yes. Now, what they did in this freaking live action was they made Julia essentially. Uh, well, they ended the series with Julia holding the balls to the relationship. Um, huh. um, sorry, wearing the pants of the relationship. Trapped I mean, the pants vicious. could have balls, I guess. That's true, yeah. Um, um, trapped Vicious in a cellar and plays a game of Russian roulette with him every night. Well, that's um, different. Yeah, I know. And she's essentially now the head of the syndicate. Julia is now the head of the syndicate. Huh. Yes, after she fucked Spike over. Right, okay, cool. I'm going to put all that aside. You know, I, so regardless of how much creative liberty they decided to take there, fair enough. Um, regardless of the fact that they made Vicious into, um, um, I mean, like he, he was this sort of cool villain, but also, you know, he was batshit crazy. Um, in the series, he's just straight up batshit crazy. Um, there's, there's, there's no other way to describe it. Like he's mm. he's essentially a white haired joker. Like, I, okay. Um yeah, who's also incredibly like weak as well. Like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's, I put that aside as well, and I put aside all the shit they did with the characters' personalities and and and, and their sort of. But man, that last episode, they decided to introduce Ed, who's who's a prevalent character from the beginning in the actual. Yes. Anime. But they plugged in Ed just so when you see Ed, you're like, oh shit, here's Ed. The next series, she's gonna have a big part in this. Um, and it's going to be exciting. But man, it was 30 seconds of Ed, and it was 30 seconds too long. Jeez. It was so bad. It was just, it's, it's terrible. Like, they completely misjudged Ed's character. Um, instead of being this sort of, like, um, goofy, sort of, like, uh, just going to tag along hacker who's actually quite smart, they just made Ed into a, a, a redhead child who's annoying as fuck. Um, and you, you know the type of people who like call you by your first name, last name, you know? Oh man, I hate people yeah. that do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Ed. She's just, she's just walking around saying, Spike Spiegel, Spike Oh my Spiegel. God, she sounds oh insufferable. Mate, it was 30 seconds too long. Oh, wow. Just like, I don't understand why 124 people, 1,000 people, thought this was a good idea like but maybe oh. they're the kind of people that walk around saying people's full names as well that's fair that's fair wow that's that's, fair. that's really and i mean ed was quite an interesting character because i don't know how old she was supposed to be i guess my instinct would say maybe between 11 and 14 but she was quite mm -hmm. eccentric and clearly very intelligent but you know erring towards eccentricity more but she wasn't just an insufferable child with a one-note gimmick. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly, that's... Man. I feel like I've dodged the bullet there. Mate, Ed was one of my favorite characters in that show, like, in, in the in the anime. Like, I, I watched... I, when I watched Ed, I was like, oh, shit, an, an Ed episode, this is going to be fun, 
right? Now it just kind of feels like it's a chore, you know? Jeez. Uh, yeah. Okay. Rent, rent over. <laughs> I'm almost sorry I asked. Mm. Okay, well, moving on to our feature presentation, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean, Episode 6, Hermes' Stickers. Mm-hmm. So the episode starts with uh, a wonderful pan towards the location, which is, of course, Green Dolphin Street Prison, also known as the Aquarium, we learn. At some point, now this is, I'm uh, actually quoting here, at some point it had birthed mystery and power, something unseen by ordinary men, power and mystery drenched in filth, which sticks to what you've been saying concurrently, FT, about some kind of underlying mystery occult darkness within the location. And uh, then we see Jolene in what's called the Punishment Ward, uh, she's been added a very brisk additional five years to her sentence. Ouch. And she's been in the punishment ward for a few weeks. Uh, at this point, we see a weird looking janitor cleaning from behind and gesturing uh, the hand through his hand through a cell, a rather leggy Omis Costello, uh, in time with the voiceover stating this. Uh, he's indeed some sort of pervert, which is evident as he's kind of trying to reach his hand between her legs. But then it's shown that he actually reaches for money between her legs. And uh, coincidentally, I always keep £10 between my legs. I'm kidding, of course. I keep gold bullions there. <laughs> but any any additional, any initial thoughts of, of what's going on here? Yeah, man. I, let me just start this with a, a little, like, um, um, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, of the 12 episodes of the first half of, um, I don't know if it's a, if it's a half or, or maybe a bit less or, or a bit more. I'd assume it's part, half. It seems a good yeah. shout. Yeah. So the first half of Stone Ocean, this was my favorite episode. Mate, the, the little part, I, you know, I got a lot to say in, in, in some parts of it where it's just <laughs> little teeny nitbits of like, comedic relief that really do a lot but but yeah yeah um, i'm I'm gonna share very similar sentiments this is yeah in incredibly hilarious given how fucked up the subject matter is absolutely absolutely i think i feel Um, like we're going to be on the same page here anything else to add there yeah the um the one thing i noticed was that the voiceover was done by um uh, it seemed to me at this point i mean it, it's confirmed to us later but it uh, it the voice is of imperial right yes yes that is yeah. correct okay so then moving on we see that the, fa- the thief wakes Hermes up she shouts uh come back here he flees but Hermes is stuck to a drip machine an iv in the infirmary so she cannot leave the area she didn't quite realize what was going on because she just came uh, back from uh, being unconscious. At this point, she looks at her hand and sees an odd pink sticker in her hand. Uh, it's got some some lips, some very puckered, luscious lips, probably like my, my own, on the sticker with two white lines pointing uh, with arrows, making a square shape form around the lips. Uh, the bathroom janitor was indeed a thief. And it's evident that Hermes had a fever and the sticker was covered over the cut, which she then removed. Uh, at this point, Hermes starts to recall what happened in the first place to get her in the infirmary. 
and she, she flash flashback flashbacks easy for me to say to the toilet area uh, where Ermi saw the stand brooch of Jolene hovering just over the drain picked it up was stabbed in the hand and uh, she got pissed off at this so sold it to Jolene's favorite crazy cellmate Gwess uh, at this point, we see the square sticker, the square sticker with lips and two white arrows is back again. What? That's weird. Uh, when it's removed, it reappears. Hmm. And the sticker seems to be multiplying, in fact. And Ermi starts to question her state of mind, as someone probably would in this situation. Uh, so she quickly spouts off uh, certain facts to kind of prove her uh normal sanity and state of mind the interesting facts are when christopher columbus discovered america in 1492 and bugs bunny's birthday which is uh july 27th for you stats fans so no she's fine uh and it's funny because it, it just it's another nod to jojo's using pop culture references like joseph joestar did at the end of stardust crusaders proving that he wasn't in fact a possessed dio by showing he knew some pop culture facts I cannot currently remember. Anyway, so at this point, uh, Hermes is obviously aware she's fine, but then she looks at the floor and notices she's got three shoes. She's got one left one, but two right ones. And one has a sticker on it. So at this point, it's evident that the sticker is some kind of cloning-based ability. And at this point, Hermes starts to count her hand counts in the fingers one two three four five and then the thumb wait what <laughs> five fingers and a thumb what the fuck uh and the extra thumb has a sticker on it pay attention to that so she rips the sticker off and then the extra the extra finger is kind of coated in blood then disappears uh the sticker caused a duplicate piss fire as well which is really fucking disgusting mm -hmm. and it's evident that when stickers are ripped off the clone replica reattaches to its original and in this case the piss file reattaches to its original and smashes everywhere with lovely steaming piss uh the other prisoners then at this point wake up annoyed and it's evident that the sticker on uh Hermes, which won't seem to leave can make duplicates exact duplicates so what are your thoughts on this ft um i'm gonna start by saying who the f sorry <laughs> who on god's earth knows when bugs bunny was born you know what I mean? Uh, I thought that yeah. was an interesting part. I Googled it, actually, and uh, she is correct. It is the 27th of July. Um, and in fact, um, this year of 2022, Bugs Bunny turns 82. Oh, happy so, birthday, um, Bugs. Yeah, happy birthday, Bugs. Um, the other thing I noticed was um, when she was questioning her, her sanity, in a way, she said, do I have, like, uh, astigmatism? And I was just mm. thinking to myself, why would you have that? That's a that's essentially like, you know, uh, an issue. You, you'd see things a bit blurry, not duplicates. But I it's, guess it kind of worked in the dark. I have to just interject that. It's funny you said astigmatism because I actually didn't even register that. When I was listening, right. I heard stigmata. Yeah. Which, which would also be completely viable given the situation of having a hole in her hand that was bloody. And yes. I thought, well, that sticks to the narrative of... Uh, kind of religious iconography, in particular Christianity of JoJo's, the fact that, well, we can't mention a villain yet in this season, but previously Dio, of course, means God. Jorno mm -hmm. uh, being the son of Dio is uh, effectively Jesus. 
And Diavolo, the previous villain, is Italian for devil. So I just thought it was sticking with uh, the religious kind of pop culture narrative. But yeah, I didn't right. stigmatism, which is ironic because I actually have a stigmatism. Maybe that's why I didn't right. see it. Maybe, maybe yeah. Or, or maybe you did see it, right? You did see the duplicates. Mm. Okay, so where are we? Uh, so at this point, Hermes then used the sticker to create... Uh, a duplicate broom so that the replica would return to the pervy janitor who's sweeping. At this point, we see the, the replica broom kind of really quickly smash him in the face whilst also kind of forcing his legs together. He falls on the floor at this point, And naturally, we see he's wearing a spiked gold codpiece thong over his trousers. Because who doesn't just, wear that in the prison? You know, I, because mate, I wrote I wrote diaper, um, but actually a thong actually sounds a bit more. Uh, you know, it matches the, the image a bit better than a diaper. Well, it's funny. You say, I mean, it was a thong codpiece, but at the same time, given his mental state, he was probably closer to being a baby. Actually, yes, yeah. Uh, and we see, we see him on the floor. He gets dragged by Hermes. Uh, we then see that he's been dissed which is a really difficult term to say by Whitesnake, i.e. he's got a couple of discs sticking out of his head. So I should just say CDs, really. Uh, mm. Then at this point, he leaves and didn't notice what happened, and Hermes took one of the discs. Uh, so there's obviously far more afoot here than we first see. Uh, Hermes is speaking to a doctor with a very prominent xantum. Uh, he asks about the pervy janitor, and... Uh, gets quite the comedic overreaction from a screaming officer asking what she'll do with the information. It was one of the best overreactions I've ever seen. But yeah. I mean, I imagine this guard probably had to listen to 30 seconds of Ed. And I have to mention as well, this is the kind of wow. guard that I trusted a secret because if this guy reacts to a question like that, you can trust him with secrecy. Sure. And uh, moving on, we see that... Omi starts asking around other inmates, and we, we also notice a lot of silhouettes, uh, a la Stone Ocean. Uh, but she still has the disc, it's, and she comments that it's shiny, yet soft and elastic. Uh, she then notices that it shows images and sees a flashback of the pervy janitor's last moments, when this, this uh, cheeky scumbag is proudly counting $5,000 that he's stolen from sick inmates. But it's always nice to have a side hustle, right? Um, he stashes the, the money in kind of like a pole of some sort, of a stick, I can't really remember how to describe it properly. Um, then we suddenly see that the disc lodged in, is, is lodged in Hermes' face, and it's creepy. And we hear footage and see footage of White Snake speaking to the pervy janitor, who we now find out is called McQueen, which is McQueen, uh, if you don't sound like a uh, white snake. And he's asking mm. if he would like to cooperate as his partner, McQueen. I love saying that. Uh, the disc then flies off of Hermes's face and into the toilet. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, um... So essentially, when when Hermes uh, a bit earlier on was was saying Bugs Bunny's birthday, um, as soon as I heard McQueen, I was thinking, "Oh, are they talking about Lightning McQueen, as in the car from Cars?" Um, wow, and then, that's what you thought of. Interesting. Uh, this was my first thought. Yeah, this was my first thought, and then I said, "No, no, no! Come on, now. We all know George George is a bit more um, sophisticated." 
Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, I had to do my research. It was Alex McQueen. And I was like, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I when I heard that, I thought it's either going to be, well, Alex, I was either the fashion designer Alexander McQueen or the actor Steve McQueen. Mm. And yeah, so that's interesting. Um, then uh, it's we're just obviously all thinking, what the hell did we just see? A memory. And uh, we see that uh, the time, finally, as we get to see what the hell McQueen looks like, he's blonde. He's got this interesting hairstyle that looks like a female skinhead punk from the 80s, predominantly in this country, uh, with a flick of blonde flounce for a half fringe, with an awkwardly shaved M in the middle slash to the right of his head. Uh, like McQueen. Yeah, so, yes, exactly. And he's clearly a hipster of some sort, which is probably an outdated word now. Uh, he's wearing a blue shirt and he has a tag with, with the initials E-O-W-N. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that means. Don't know. Uh, and, yeah, any thoughts on the appearance of McQueen there? Yeah, man. Um, just keeping with the, the fashion brand thing i actually googled eown as well um, nice. you know I'm, yeah and um i'm not sure if this is accurate but apparently there is a fashion uh, e-commerce website called eown um you know they have a uh, they have an instagram page and all so you know i'm, I'm not sure if it's in, in any way shape or form related but it might be well it's, it's certainly worth mentioning if nothing else because uh, iraqi uh, doesn't usually do things for no reason, unless he does. Uh, then, at this point, McQueen states that he's been stalked before, uh, but never by a woman, uh, alluding to the fact he was aware that he was being followed. Uh, Ermi shouts, asking, what the hell's up with the discs in his face? Uh, at this point, we hear really unsettling, but very jaunty music. And McQueen bursts into tears, with a really snotty nose. And it, I just find it funny, the amount of animes I've seen that just love someone crying with a snotty nose. It, it's a yeah. real trope. And uh, he states that he can't remember a thing and he calls himself a huge loser. Uh, Omis mentions the fact that he stole her money and at this point he instantly snaps out of it, which is really unsettling, but quite comical. Because the way... Uh, David production uh, are toying with the audio and the visuals here is just seminal. You've got this really Absolutely. whimsical, uh, creepy music that just stops. And as it stops, uh, McQueen changes his emotion intrinsically. Uh, McQueen says he, he's rem- he rem- remembers having money, but he can't remember where to find it. And at this point, he breaks down in tears again. Uh, Literally every time Ermi's interjects and asks his deal, he stops crying, uh, which just adds to the comedy here. And the music stops dead every single time, which is fantastic. Uh, any thoughts on this so far? Mate, it was so well done. And actually, you know, they did this with the music in this particular scene. But actually, if you like fast forward a few scenes um, uh, like later as well, they even do it with the characters' actions, right? Um, yes, I, th- I, th- I thought this whole episode was just brilliant. Like, they did not miss a beat in any no. of these comedic, you know. And every time Ermis looks at this guy saying, you know, he's batshit crazy, 
you can see her, you, you get like a mini sort of um, uh, overview of Hermes like talking to her own head, right? Talking in her own head to herself. And you can tell that she's as confused as the audience. And it, it, yeah, it's just fascinating. Absolutely. And this episode is one of the reasons I really love anime and it's just my preferred medium to watch things because as enjoyable as manga is you just don't get that audio visual combination and just the way they yeah. toy with these things it's such a beautiful tour de force uh so mcqueen is completely flattered uh and he, yeah, he's flattered that a woman asks if he's okay which again makes him cry but this time with joy uh, and we've got the same jaunty, whimsical music. And uh, at this point, his eyes are creepily blacked out, which is weird because previously his eyes were blue. Uh, and he says it's been ages since he spoke to a woman, uh, which reminds me of my early teenage years, unfortunately. Uh, he never had a heartfelt conversation with a woman before, and he calls her wonderful. And interestingly enough, I timestamped 9.51 because the way the next song starts playing, it sounds exactly like the beginning of Roundabout. You cheeky scamps, David Production. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I did not. I mean, I heard it and then I just sort of rolled past it without writing a note down. But you're absolutely right. I remember that now. Yeah, I, I, I just I don't think it was a coincidence. And uh yeah, at this point, he starts to self-love again. He calls himself pathetic. He takes off his belt, uh, calls himself trash, and casually starts hanging himself, as you do. Uh, Hermes is understandably freaked the hell out by this. And uh, it, weirdly enough, we start seeing like a five to six propeller kind of drone appear in her throat that's green. It just materializes from nothing as McQueen's uh, choking himself and is making her levitate, which is just insane. And now we have a commercial break. And in the commercial break, we, we noticed that McQueen's stand is called Freeway Through Hell, uh, yeah, through, yeah. through spelled T-H-R-U. And I mean, it's clearly uh, a, an homage to Highway to Hell and... I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I feel about the name. I think it's kind of stupid, uh, but whatever. Uh, the name Thunder McQueen is his real name. Uh, and yeah, and, and any thoughts on everything I've just said there? Um, so just bringing it back to Lightning McQueen, when I read his name was Thunder McQueen, I've, I had to double do a double take. I'm like, well, wait, am I on the right track here? <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, Essentially, yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like too much of a coincidence not to be based on the cars thing, even if it is maybe a bit childish compared to some other references. Because yeah. thunder and lightning, man, they go hand in hand. That, you're right, and uh, honestly, um, you know, they're just they're playing on every pop culture reference they can at this point. Um, yeah, Araki has a compulsion, and quite frankly, he makes us do research because of it. Yes, absolutely. 
So uh, this, the part two kicks off now, and we start with a flashback via the disc in the toilet, which is my preferred view in uh, mod medium as well. And we see that White Snake says, and I quote, McQueen. Or maybe I should talk like him. McQueen, you have a pure evil in you. You have no malice or animosity. You think you don't inconvenience others. You victimize yourself. You have no interest in others, yet you're always wishing for someone to save you. But that's precisely why you are the worst. You drag others down with you. You are the purest form of evil. And as he's saying this, we see the menace and font circle in the toilet. And then in, in classic kind of weird JoJo's fashion, the next line White Snake says is, I really like you, McQueen. If you ever find my enemies within these prison walls, you will surely clean them out and take them for me. Take care of them for me. You know, give me a break. He was speaking in Japanese. I'm trying to do the English equivalent here. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that that was verbatim what White Snake said. And I have to say, I really love White Snake's voice. I think it's awesome. Your, your thoughts on that? Um, so, I mean, I think you summarized that, I mean, word for word, so pretty well. Um, I actually have a thought on the, on the, on the, like the next scene. So just keep going for a little bit more. Okay. Well, just before I go into that, I have some fresh intel from, Ooh. from a good associate of mine. As we referenced in the previous episode about the letters on White Snake, which say G-A-C-T, I, yes. Once I got the intel, I did some further research, and GACT actually stands for guanine, adenine, cytosine, uh, thymine, if I'm hopefully pronouncing it correct, which represents human genomes. And here's a bit more oh. additional color. ACGT, or GACT, is an acronym of the four types of bases found in DNA molecule. Adenine, uh, chitosine, guanine, and thymine. Oh, sure. uh, ad adenine pairs with thymine, and cytosine pairs with guanine. Uh, the sequence of bases in a portion of a DNA molecule called a gene carries the instructions needed to assemble a protein, which makes sense given the fact that white snakes, uh, white snake takes discs vital to the person's existence. And a shout out to DB Vares for that nugget, uh, nugget of intel. So yeah, yeah it's one hell of an Easter egg, man. Yeah, totally right. And there's us wondering what the hell it meant. So I'm really pleased we've got some color in that one now. Mm. Uh, so moving on, uh, we we go back to seeing Ermi struggling with freeway through hell in her neck uh, with a classic JoJo's palette swap, which I really love when there's tension. Mm -hmm. And we hear White Snake's theme, which is possibly my favorite villain theme now as Ermi struggles to stay awake because she's passing out, you know, a la choking. Uh, she fires a desperation sticker on McQueen's belt to make a duplicate. She then removes it, which of course makes the belt drop from McQueen's neck from the pressure of it breaking, which uh, thusly keeps him alive and stops Ermi's from dying. Uh, Ermi's deciphers that he's a stand user and that there must be more like her, of course. Uh, McQueen is coughing and states he owes her his life. No thanks, mate. Don't trust you at all. Uh, any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, man. As soon as he says, I owe you my life, you've saved me. 
um, they they sort of zoom in on Ermis where she gets like a little bit shy. Like, <laughs> I, I thought that was brilliant. Like, what is this doing here? You know, she she just died because of this guy. Um, and essentially, uh, as soon as he says you saved my life, she gets a bit like she blushes. A bit coy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's a she's a cool character. I, I yeah, like the fact, yeah. as you said earlier, she's us in this scene thinking, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" But mm. also, kind of, I don't know, prone to a compliment like a lot of us yeah. are. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it just feeds into this the the bigger idea of this picture of this this whole episode dropping like little subtle you know comedic relief elements uh, yeah and speaking of which intense. yeah so then we get Ermi's shouts uh who who the hell is he and she knows he has an ability uh, mcqueen states he has no idea what she means uh, but don't worry he won't do that again uh he owes her and will repay her one day literally a second later she turns around for a second. He's trying to drown himself in the sink. This is my funniest moment because it's, I've never seen such an intensely uh, powerful topic as suicide been treated with more impressively comic timing. A fucking split second and he's drowning himself in a fully full up sink. I, I think that's why they had these like many comedic relief elements because you know the the character's power essentially is to commit suicide and kill the other person as a result. So yeah, yeah, it's so powerful, and it, it it goes to show how uh, symbiotic the relationship between comedy and tragedy can be. You know, when people say that you either cry or laugh at funerals. Uh, so then, yeah, we see that. Uh, because McQueen is drowning himself, suddenly uh, a water-based substance, viscousy, forms around Hermes's face and starts to drown her. I really don't like this guy. Uh, she sees numerous wrist scars uh, on his arm and ascertains that he must have suicidal tendencies. No fucking kidding. Uh, but she's unaware of what his ability is exactly. Omis tries to break free and she's desperately stumbling around as you would do whilst you're drowning around your face. Uh, she uses a mop a uh, with a sticker and she gets free, thankfully. She takes the disc from the toilet, not very sanitary, but I don't blame her, uh, as that fucking lunatic McQueen is crying, saying he'll repay her. It's like, dude, you're the definition of an empty gesture. Um, he says he cannot repay her calls himself trash and breaks down once more. Omis shouts at him to go away, which I think anyone in this situation would. Uh, she wants nothing to do with him. And if he doesn't leave her alone, she will kill him. Which, again, his comical reaction is, please do. As we see an incredibly yes. comical... <laughs> we see the most comical tilted expression of him crying with just the most comical, like, exaggerated streams of tears and dribbling from his face. Because, uh, I mean, obviously, it must be the most arousing thing ever for him to find out someone else is going to kill him. Uh, I wonder if he listens to the Swedish depressive suicidal black metal band Shining. Probably does. Uh, he says he wouldn't mind being killed by a beautiful woman like her. I mean, what a compliment. What, what lady doesn't want to hear that? And as Hermes leaves, she internally says that uh, he noticed her... Uh, sorry, as Hermes leaves... 
uh, we get McQueen internally saying to himself that he noticed her picking up the disc from the bathroom floor, which is interesting. Because up until this point, Ermi's, whilst coming across as sneaky, came across as quite an idiot. So it's interesting that he's able to kind of play dumb and keep his cards to himself about the disc being taken. Uh, and yeah, you're I, right. Actually, I was struck with this as well. I'm, you know, for someone who just attempted to commit suicide two times now, maybe three at this point, mm-hmm. um, how are you this perceptive? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Exactly. It was an interesting uh, dichotomy in his character there. And yeah, at this point, we, we noticed, I have to correct myself, his eyes were green and the pupils were creepy because they're, they're basically like cat eyes. Uh, and I found this line just quite interesting the way he delivered it because he says he thinks that the disc belonged to him for some reason and wonders if, he get it, uh, if he'll get it back. And he says, probably not, ever the pessimist. Uh, at this point, Hermes frantically runs back to the women's prison to get back to her cell. On the stairs, she runs past Emporio and stops dead yes. on the stairs. He comments on her powers awakening. This child is very knowledgeable, kind of like the anti-ed, it would seem. Uh, he said he knew it would happen and states that stand powers are drawn to each other like gravity. Uh, that's why she ran into the janitor, McQueen. That's why Jolene uh, told him to keep an eye on her as she would have the sta- as she had the stand brooch. Emporio mentions that White Snake can steal souls very casually, which is a stark difference to what Hermes is like. She's obviously incredibly erratic, and Emporio's like, oh yeah, yeah, there's this demon thing that steals souls. So you know, keep an mate, eye out. Mate, he was playing with his baseball all while holding that conversation. Yeah, it's incredible. The, the, the kid has the most kind of creepy poise ever. Uh, okay. He then tells her that White Snake stole uh, a very uh, important person's soul and asks her all of the intel that she knows. And uh, she then goes on to mention the janitor disc. Uh, Emporio mentions that two, disc, two discs make up a soul and that they need to find the other one. Uh, suddenly, Ermi's, uh, uh, her arms are dripping with blood intensely, which is really fucking creepy. And now they're electrified proving that McQueen indeed has no chill. Uh, Suddenly, it stops, though, and Emporio mentions that 100 volts can't kill a human, and he must be looking for some kind of saline solution to to conduct the electricity, it would seem. It's safe to say yes. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. I mean, this kid is like, how old is this kid? That's a good question. Again, my estimate, not research in which... I probably should have. Uh, one would assume, yeah, I'd probably say that Emporio's in the same ballpark as what Ed's supposed to be. So look at Emporio. Yeah. Again, I'm saying about 11 to 14. Yeah, uh, actually, you're spot on. Um, JojoFandom.com says he's 11 years old. Um, I'm great with estimates. Yeah. Uh, but, but please continue. But man, so this kid, born in a prison, right? Um, like... I don't know what is essentially all I'm trying to get to is how the hell do you know all this shit about biology and chemistry? Like, you know, legitimately. Yeah. You know, I, the education system they have in, in prison, this country. I mean, yeah, it's, it's better than, than school by the sounds of it. This kid knows so damn much. Like, I, I certainly didn't know about 
a saline solution helping to electrocute yourself. But, you know, useful Uh, to know if I ever end up watching the the rest of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, And then it turns out that uh, we've got disinfectant and IV drips in the infirmary. So process of elimination would mean that that must be where McQueen is. So Hermes runs there, and at this point, Emporio says he cannot follow because there's too many other inmates around, and he's trying to keep his anonymity as much as a small little boy wearing a baseball outfit in an adult's prison can. Uh, any, any more thoughts there before I move on? No, I mean, I, I, yeah, my thoughts was I was just freaked out by Emporio. Um, yeah, the other thing I actually, I wrote this down was uh, most stands um, have like a, a, a distance limiter, right? Mm. Um, and it didn't seem like this one did because I felt like um, Irma's tried to get as far away as she could and it was still effective. So I thought That's that really was an interesting... Yeah. yeah, good shout. I didn't think about that. And it makes me think that this might well be a stand that has no proximity uh, limitation and it mm. might just be like a, a curse, a, a curse of death, as yes, in perhaps... Yes. Once you're nailed with this, you, you, your cards are marked, if you will. So, so that's an interesting perspective to it. Yeah, uh, there was another stand like that in a previous, you know, one of the previous JoJo's. I just can't remember what it was called. Is, is it the stone you're talking about in Golden Wind? The stone in the lift? Oh, it might have been, yes. That random, oh, completely unflowing stand yes, 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 yes. right at the end of the season. Yes, you're right. Yes, that might have been it. Yes, yeah. That's that's the only one that comes to mind for me. And yeah, that was. Uh, oh, and also, I should say, uh, not quite the same, but it is similar to the creepy ass stand you've got in Diamond is Unbreakable. That if you see it, he'll jump on your back and you can't escape him. Yes, I know that's close right. proximity, but again, it's kind of another example of something you can't escape. Uh, speaking of not escaping, we can't escape moving on to the show. So we see that uh, McQueen has wrapped sailing solution tubes around himself and he's about to electrocute himself. Uh, what's so fascinating about this character is, and it kind of lends to what you were saying about a nappy, his character almost deliberately seems to have the innocence of a child. Like every yes. scene, every time we, we catch him doing something really fucking dangerous and lethal, he just kind of seems really stoic and nonplussed and just you know, abjectly innocent. And I, I wonder if the character might have been kind of based on like a, a baby or a toddler that does something really dangerous and doesn't realize that it's dangerous. And I, that's just something that goes through my head there. Mm. Uh, and it, it really is. I, I, we've said it before, but I just have to double down of it. It's, it's hilarious to me how frequent, casual, and elaborate all of his suicide attempts are. They're just Absolutely. so over the top. And when you've got this kind of comedy interspersed with his just nonchalant, innocent reactions, like, oh, sorry, I was just wrapping myself in loads of sailing to electrocute myself. I didn't realise that would be a problem. And... Yeah, so moving on, we then see that Hermes tries to uh, stop this lunatic, uh, telling him that his ability reflects on her. And uh, 
he's only moments away from trying to kill himself. And this time he's actually really showing a villainous aspect to himself. The fact he's flirting with the uh, trigger of the uh, electric switch, like it's a toy. Uh, and then at this point, we go into a flashback of sorts. And he mentioned that uh, four years ago, he was cleaning his shotgun in his, in his apartment, you know, as you do. Uh, and for some reason it was loaded. I like the way he says for some reason, maybe because you put a fucking bullet in there, dude. Uh, he said it accidentally fired and just nailed a woman committing suicide. I mean, the, the timing of that is impeccably insane. Uh, and he states that he lives on the 10th floor and the, 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 the woman trying to kill herself lived on the 11th floor. So just as she jumped one floor down, his shotgun went, went off and, and killed her. Uh, that's really, truly uncanny misfortune. He goes on to say he has reverse the re reverse lottery syndrome and everyone thought he aimed a gun. Uh, the judge called him cold-blooded and he screamed, that's the kind of man he is, which kind of goes against everything he just said about it being an accident. Ermi mm -hmm. uh, suddenly interrupts him and offers him... <laughs> she, she offers to give him her panties uh and oh, we man. get comical music again and to be honest it's not a bad offer if i was this guy i'm, I'm taking the panties and I'm, I'm getting some chill uh what are your views on all of this so um so two things actually that i'll point out um you know maybe i'll, I'll like wait until you finish this whole scene to, to, to lay it out but i'll start with the way i wrote this down was i felt like Ernest was trying um a bunch of things in succession to see what was going to work and so her first one was our sort of appeal to reason, right? Like, uh, you, yeah. told me, you told me you were going to save me uh, or like to do me a favor or return the favor. So by the way, you killing yourself is going to kill me. So stop doing it, right? Um, her, her appeal to reason. Um, and with that didn't work, she straight away went to um, the appeal to, to horniness, right? <laughs> and essentially just said, I'll give you my panties. Come on, bro. <laughs> you want that? It's a strong um, desperation technique. It is. Um, there's another one that she does later on, so I'll, I'll wait for that. But the other thing that happens is there's just these little comedic skits that happens, like um, um, essentially as soon as she walks in and, and he says, uh, stop, don't do that, he just kind of like, uh, after she appeals to, to reason, music stops and he just stares at her and drops the jar of yeah. saline. And I was like, oh, this was perfectly, perfectly yeah. placed. The, 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 yeah. Again, the, 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 the comedic elements, just flawless. And mm. again, it just really reminds me of a toddler. He reminds me of a naughty, yes. oblivious toddler. Every, it's just like you're shouting. I mean, I, I've got I've got a 10-year-old son, so I remember when he was a kid, you're like, what are you doing? Drop it. And they just kind of look at you like, oh, okay. Only it's a grown man doing really dangerous things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Ermi's offers the, the fong she's wearing right now. Uh, and to be honest, if I were him, I'd go with it because it, it looks more comfortable than the studded cod piece he had on anyway. So, you know, like, mix it up a bit, dude. Um, and yeah, as you just said, McQueen looks comically confused and stoic as the silence returns. Um uh, and yeah, innumerable kudos to David Production just for the presentation, the audio and the visual uh, combination. It really is something. Uh, McQueen then questions her, you'll give me your panties? 
Uh, he gleefully screams, yes, I always keep my promises. Hermes then mentions uh, to remember that everyone hates Mondays and remember Saturdays will soon come around. <laughs> I have to say, though, that's a really interesting quote and something was raised to me before, but it's, it's obviously a very kind of mass societal, cultural, all around the world thing, or, you know, most of the world, that Mondays are bad. And the truth is, is it Mondays are bad or is it just that we hate our jobs? Question. You're absolutely right, yeah. Uh, McQueen points out that he was arrested on a Saturday. Uh, hold, is... hold on, hold on. Besides the comedy in that, it's not just that he said that. They zoomed in on his eyes, right? The, the creepy cat eyes. Mm. And then music stopped again and a little drop of saline kind of just dripped off him. I thought that was also comedically brilliant. And then he just says, I was arrested on a Saturday. Like, come on, man. So good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to say this, this episode is the very definition of a black comedy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, once he drops that massive vibe killer, he states that he doesn't buy her positivity at all. And he knows it's being said, so uh, so he she doesn't die, obviously. No fucking kidding, dude. Uh, he continues to self-loathe, calls himself trash and flirt with pressing the death switch, that bastard. Uh, Hermes admits she doesn't want to die, uh, but he's being exploited by Whitesnake. Uh, McQueen is being selfish. He cries, calls her a nice person, says she's beautiful and sincere. Uh you know, it's a fucking bluff. What do you want? Uh, yeah, now, yeah, absolutely. And, and and now he states he can die joyfully and have eternity with her. Oh, my God. This guy has no quit. So uh, and this he... is my, the, the third appeal, I, you know. So he, she appealed to reason. It didn't work. Appealed to horniness and it didn't work. And now she's trying to appeal to ego and it still didn't work. <laughs> it's incredible. And it's just, it's a, it's an amazing kind of, cerebral game of Chester. Every gambit she throws out, he just has a counter for it. Yeah. And uh, where are we then? And yeah, the fact that he just spins it to he'll kill himself mm. so that they'll be together forever is just a fucking morbid thing. Uh, at this point, he calls himself blessed. We get a wonderful palette swap again. Uh, Ermi's uh, nose is evil. Uh, jumps towards him to stop him and he flips the switch but thankfully due to her speed and dexterity uh, the shocking just starts on her but stops as we see free, freeway through hell such a stupid name uh, start to materialize uh, in Hermes's body basically she attached a sticker to McQueen to create a duplicate uh, to take the shocks which was just so brilliantly done uh, to save her life her skin everything uh, he reforms and the mind disc comes out at this point. This guy was an absolute nightmare. Uh, Hermes then vows to take the $5,000 as penance. I mean, you go, girl, as you've you earned should. it. Yeah, as you should. And to get vengeance on Whitesnake. Uh, we also see her stand for the first time, which is called Smack, which uh -huh. my only idea was, is it from Smack My Bitch Up, the Prodigy song? That's the only thing that came to me. Oh no! There's a there's a Finnish band called Smack, isn't there? Okay, now I know. Interesting. Yeah, a Finnish band in the uh, in the eighties, I want to say, was called Smack, a, a rock band. Interesting. I, I, it's interesting that then they didn't make any kind of alterations to this, which they usually do. I guess maybe they just didn't care if Smack heard. 
Yeah. Um, and it's, I found it weird seeing uh, Smack stand. Uh, sorry, seeing the stand Smack of Hermes. Because up until this, I, at least myself, were led to believe that Hermes just had a sticker as a stand. There was nothing, yeah. nothing up to this point that led us to believe that there was a humanoid stand connected to any of this. So I, it was actually a huge shock to me to see a, a humanoid stand. What did you think mm. about this? No, I, I agree. I, I, you know, as in, I felt like it was, um, if she knew that she had a humanoid stand, she'd use it, right? Because you'd, you'd have more distance um, and she can, you know, go all aura aura on, uh, on McQueen. Mm. Um, but yeah, like when I saw it, I thought, oh, okay, interesting. Why would she have a humanoid stand? But, you know, I just kind of accepted it and, and moved on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to describe how Smack looks, it kind of looks a bit like White Snake. It's yellow. Uh, it's got eight pink antennas that kind of looks like White Snake's crown. Has a pink top with kind of like, I don't know, almost like, I can't say balls, it's not balls, but like a, a bald kind of frilly lining that goes down the zip. Uh, yeah. it, it's got kiss written between lips as buttons so k lip i uh, lip etc it's got yellow uh, pauldrons of gold and stickers on the cheek that look like the uh, old r&b rapper nelly it doesn't have a nose and yeah uh any thoughts on what smack looks like um i mean creepy as hell uh, that's all i could think about mm. um it's funny, actually, I'm looking online now and, and apparently Smack um, is called Kiss in the manga. Huh. Huh. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. I mean, given the it fact does. the yeah. outfit says Kiss. Uh, I will say that Smack also, Smack the band also used to wear, I think, weird masks, if I remember correctly. I mean, it could be both, right? Mm. Very interesting. Very. Um, and the, the final observation I've got about Smack is that Smack's eyes are kind of like the grated light bulb cover, like Golden Experience. Yes, yes absolutely. And then the episode basically ends with Hermes vowing to visit Jolene, and then we've got a to be continued, and that's the end of the episode. Any final thoughts there? Brilliant episode. Favourite one in the first 12. Um, and, like... If I wanted to show someone why I love JoJo's, this would be one of the episodes I'd show because it just encapsulates the humor, the the sort of the, the morbidity and the humor, right? Um, and, and the sort of fucked upness as well. So um, I think that's that's my final thoughts on this. Mm. I have to agree with you there. It's um, it was a real intense episode and. Mm. Just, just credit to Iraqi and David Production for making something that should be incredibly intense and harrowing, just to make it so comical. It was, I, I think there's a great irony that that's at least one of the funniest JoJo's episodes I've ever seen. So yeah, credit absolutely. to them for that. Yeah, And yeah, uh, so concludes uh, episode six the roundup of Stone Ocean, Omi stickers. And I have mm -hmm. to say, 
Fast Toad, it's been an absolute pleasure. And if you don't mind, I would love to chat to you again about episode seven. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, and oh, yeah, just a final point. The fact that one of the best episodes in this season didn't involve your main protagonist, I think, is just a testament to how good this series is. So if you have not started, please do. Um, you will enjoy it. And this is my last tidbit to all your listeners. That's, a, that's another excellent point there. And JoJo's, they, they do this kind of thing occasionally. And I always love when shows do this, just not having a reliance at all on the protagonist. I think one of the greatest strengths about JoJo's, and something I like about a lot of shows, is when you have a strong ensemble and supporting cast to the point where people stand out as characters and they're rounded they're compelling enough to watch where you don't think okay when's the main person gonna come so yeah that, that's definitely worth uh mentioning of being of strong lyrics well then yeah unless unless there's anything else to add i'm gonna say uh goodbye now and keep on trucking Yeah, yeah, that's it.